Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian and today I'm joined by uh, geotechnical engineer Martin Griffin. Martin, how are you today? Um, really well, thank you. Busy yeah. as usual, but yeah, yeah. And uh, you're in London or somewhere thereabouts, is that yeah, right? Yeah, we're night piece old London. We put a team of twelve geotech engineers. Oh, okay. Leading the okay, European you, project. Sorry. You know, back back in the day. Uh, the address of Night Peace Old in London was number two Buckingham Palace. Oh, that would have been quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know if that was the main office where everyone worked or if that was just kind of a mailing address. Yeah. Um, Probably mailing like address. Would... Yeah. We've yeah. got lovely office in London now overlooking the Thames, which is probably comparable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, Martin, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your education. Okay, I grew up in Cornwall, which is a legacy mining county in England. which mined yeah. tin, tin and copper in about 1780s to about 1880s, at the peak mm-hmm. of the time, and then it completely closed down about 1990s. So I grew up that area, and that sort of got me sort of collecting minerals, specimens, and all things sort of geological. I sort of played oh, okay. around with Lego, played around with Lego, and sort of wanted to know how things worked and assembling things and playing with that. And then I worked as a lab technician for some time. And someone kicked my backside basically and said, "You think too much." And I'm autistic, and someone said, "You think too much. Go to university and do something that you can use your brain with." So I studied industrial geology and geotech engineering at a special mining college, which is Campbell School of Mines, now part of Exeter University which we did sort of mining, geotechnics, all applied geology and geotechnics. Really loved that. And by 2001, by a lot of circular routes, doing postgrad research and pace deformation, pace, deformation, pace flow, pace mechanics, okay. yeah. I ended up in night piece sold when they were in the UK. Then I joined some other consultancies along the way, and I've now just rejoined night piece sold again in February. Okay, when when were you previously previously at Night Peace Old? In 2001, then they were taken okay. over by 2001. Then they were taken over by Scott Wilson in about 2003. Then I joined AMEC Foster Wheeler, that part of the Wood Group. Uh, then I got yeah. made redundant from them in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then, I, then I sort of done done lots quite a done some civil geotechnics to fill in a bit of the time to pay the bills. And then I was invited back to join the mining team in the UK, which I felt quite an honour to be invited back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know everybody there, but I'm, I'm familiar with a couple of the, the people in your office. Yeah. Richard Elmer's a really nice guy. Yeah, which is really supportive and really insightful and helpful. And yeah. Just yeah. Very, very supportive. So I'm autistic, I'm visually impaired. He's very supportive. He wants me to not struggle at work and just help me to get get the best out of my talents and my ability 
and working alongside everyone in the team just so we get the best result for the clients and then ultimately that's the end of the day keeps us safe okay okay keeps safe facilities that's the end of the day right right okay okay um and what do you what do you do day to day what kind of projects do you find yourself doing we're doing a lot of auditing work sorry we're doing a lot of auditing work at the moment for facilities just and reviewing like independent just doing independent reviews if the client wants us to do a lot of review work yeah or even you know from the concept of uh of a tenant's facility or such like stand up with sort of approaching we're approaching or not we are coming up by you know how we can do best for closure projects now and you for overseas projects or trying to uh, offer that services now yeah okay and if we and ever close being, yeah yeah <laughs> so being in the uk there's not a lot of mining that goes on there so where is most of your work occurring we we don't get work from you know western europe you know the balkans or serbia Bulgaria. we've got a lot of projects mm. in bulgaria at the moment hmm. we're not doing a due diligence at the moment for a project a big project bulgaria so it's okay. reviewing a number of consultants yeah. work uh, say Serbia. When we could work in Russia, we would do a lot of Russian projects. They, yeah. they were quite interesting because they were sort of written to Russian standards, yet using ASTM methodology to some test work and using their tailings test work. So you've got the working to two two standards, trying to say yeah. the cost is good, but it's not as appropriate to do like tailing specific uh, test work and sample preparation. And it's just recommending best practice for clients sometimes to deposition methods, testing, and you know, things like that, planning brand investigations and verification for CPT testing, checking yeah, monitoring okay. data, just the whole range. Yeah, yeah that, that's interesting what you said about the Russians using ASTM because many years ago I visited a geotech lab in Moscow. And even their sieves were different. They had circular openings in the sieves, yes. sort of square. And so yeah. they, they might be they, they might be close to matching up what we would see with ASTM, but they're just not quite the same, you know. So. Yes, it's similar to the consolidation testing. They have different loading pressures. Uh, so, you, so you just you, not you get a ballpark figure, but you have to do, you can you can calculate it in immense detail. But then that would waste budget. So you know you can just yeah. Value. I mean, I mean, with the limitations of the test work and the limitations of the accuracy of the tailing sampling and such, like you know, there is a lot of variation. So you have to just, you know, use your engineering judgment. Yeah. And then sort right. of talk, and then talk along with your peers. If you're not, I'd recommend that to anyone. Just talk along with your peers. If there's something that looks a bit skew or something, just talk because you don't. Or you know because that that there's so many things that could you know that could screw those test results. So yeah, right. Talking. Right. Yeah. What what type of work do you like to do the best? What is your favorite type of work? What's my favorite type of work? Uh, good question. I like everything really. I don't. I like. I love reviewing reports because it's easier to review report reviews of reports yeah. rather than doing the report must find them very te- not tedious that's the wrong word hard going 
if you oh yeah yeah but i think i think all engineers hate writing reports i think it, it's the bread and butter of our, and our main deliverables as consultants and the client expects yeah. them but i think yeah I, I love doing number crunching like whoever sometimes i work on open pits and just getting a lot of like 800 meter boreholes and analyzing the whole data of that and seeing the oh, okay. classification yeah. how that that's, that's very pleasurable not not taxing but it's very pleasurable when you get a nice profile and you can see revving profiles from that right right yeah yeah, yeah. but, then, but yeah. then i love the thing i love most i think is just getting a good outcome it's yeah just, so you know you've done your best your colleagues have done your best and you know you've done everything you can within reasonable time constraints cost constraints and without burning your butt off to do work that you've done the best you can right right that's yeah, interesting what you said about writing reports it is kind of an anti-climax where you've read all the background information met with the client gone to site and and identified all the uh uh ways they could improve and then it's just a complete anti-climax to go back and type it into a computer when yeah. you just told them verbally and you feel like a killjoy sometimes for the client and saying this isn't compliant, this isn't right, yeah. or things could be better because you feel like you're, like, we have a saying in the UK, like a dripping tap, that you're sort oh, of yeah. moaning yeah. at, you're, mo you're moaning at them all the time. You're not moaning, right. but you're trying to make them compliant to best practice. Right, right. Because we don't want to know a Brundini or another, another Mount Polly. Because yeah. that, that if we ever want to attract them all, we want to attract more graduates to come into the industry, for example. We're not going to attract graduates to come in if we, if they see sort of mining geotechnics as a sort of dirty science, where yeah. they could go on and work on a motorway or something, and they just think or highway, and say, "Oh, this is far much more attractive because there's no risk at all." But they have hot risk, but we have risk, but we manage it in a different way. Yeah, and, and our job really is to make sure there isn't another Brumadino or Mount Polly nice. under our watch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's what we always hope. It's not on our watch. We hope, not, not that we hope it's on our competitors' watch, but we... You're right. I think we're more, mi we're, we're more mindful on our watch, I guess. That's right, yeah. I said that, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, Martin, we've been... Con um connected on linkedin for quite a while and we've had some uh exchanges on the, the chat through linkedin and you've you've uh, told me that you consider yourself to be um uh, neural diverse sorry diverse, yeah. and yeah and, and is that do you find that that's a challenge uh, in that's your the kind career? of challenge yes it, had the it has been a challenge with my dyslexia autism. With dyslexia, it's like processing information, different autism, yeah. social communication problems at times. So, yeah, social and communication problems. And then they say I have a fixed interest. So that, they present challenges. But mm. if I'm in a well-managed team and in which my line manager or my director now is really supportive. Yeah. I guess he's still on what it really means because I've only known Richard officially for about six months. 
but yeah. I've known Richard by Lincoln for about six years. Oh, okay. Before I, before yeah. I joined Night Peace, so yeah. yeah. And then he talked to my old boss, which was very reassuring that he talked to my old boss at Wood Group. So he sort of he, he did his own due diligence for finding, so he knew what made me tick and how I could fit into their team. I think it's when people think I should be able to work in the same way as they can. And sometimes there's days I just have bad days and I can't work in the way that other people can. Uh, if I get so much stimuli or too much noise in the background, I won't be able to concentrate. I guess that's like all of uh, us, but or, but or I will just in my last job I had a few meltdowns, which is like complete shutdown of situation. Mm, I, mm-hmm. I was doing a presentation on some risk management, I just someone asked me a really objective question and I just I just froze and I just shrunk in a ball and mm. cried in the presentation. Fortunately, it was an internal meeting without a client, so I wouldn't want to be exposed to the client. Ah, uh, yeah. But it was yeah. just an internal meeting to talk about risk, that, or part of an aspect of risk management on a project. But, mm. Do you, do you sometimes, then, yeah. yeah, go, go ahead. I think, yeah, if, if people don't understand it, they can. I have been treated really badly, I would say, in some places. And maybe it's because of their lack of awareness or me not being able to communicate at that stage of my career or didn't feel confident enough to now that I'm getting great out at 50, fifty-one, yeah. I, I can now feel confident I haven't got much to lose. Well, not much to lose, but because I'm chartered, I'm chartered engineer and chartered geologist. I can I feel like my professionalism stands up for itself. Yeah. And, and on a few national count committees in the UK so I think people people know think I know what I'm talking about even if I sometimes can't articulate it but my verbally I communicate it right for show people an illustration that I know what I'm talking about. yeah yeah it's unfortunate that the world can be so judgmental and not first try try to understand yeah. before they judge yeah I guess it because because we are so you or people are so conditioned or maybe engineers as well we're conditioned to think in a certain way yeah and certain black box thinking and everything has an art definitive answer and we want precise answers and yeah yeah and i, I sometimes you know i was saying on a recent blog i can't give people precise answers of a risk management answer because i can see both sides of the argument mm. and so i says can i have to pull it onto one side or not Right. Or can I can, right. can I call a risk a zero likely on a risk scale of zero to five or one to five? Can I give a likelihood of zero? No, because it's a one still because there's still a you know a black swan event maybe, and because I still feel yeah. that risk significant enough to call it a one. Right. Even though if, even though it may be one in a million yeah. years event, it still could mm. happen. Mm. It's it's no point dismissing it. Oh yeah, yeah. No, unless I, unless yeah, we yeah. say we have more, I was thinking about this, some risks more weighting than others on the register. Yeah, like the overtopping is more important than a a foundation failure, but then each facility is going to have different weightings. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. How you could do that, but then it comes with complex systems and. Even since the global tailing standard, people don't want to talk about complexity of systems at the moment. Or we're very, we're very, as an industry, I think, naive about that. And 
Oh yeah, and just, yeah. Understanding yeah. the ramifications, all the interactions, and the, how the small small factors affect the big factors. Because we all, I work in my geotechnical team. Yeah, I have it. There's the environmental team. There's the processing team. There's there's all the human factors involved, and we've got we've got to be better at interacting as an industry. Maybe I don't. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you just mentioned GISTM, and I, yep. I think the industry, even though it's been out for a couple of years now, the industry is really just still getting its arms around what it means and how to implement it. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to be something that's like a light switch that yesterday you weren't complying and today you are. <laughs> but yeah, yeah but we're, we're still very much still transitioning into its full adoption. Yeah, and the things like engineering record, I think people are a bit hesitant. They're going to lose work because of that as consultants. But it's going to be a new form of working. Yeah. Because and, we're going to be more closely aligned with the client, which I think is always going to be a good thing. Yeah. And we won't be sort of scrapping, not scrapping for work, but we will be looking, saying, oh, can we work, can we work better than our competitor? We're, we're working alongside our competitor. Sometimes because they're going to be the designer, we're going to be the engineer record, or vice versa. So there's been yeah. so much in the industry about competitiveness and who can get the lowest price, which never works, and especially tailing stands. I mean, maybe work if you want to dig a hole in your garden for doing right. yeah. uh, doing doing a like a say like a driveway for doing a car for your car. That may work there, but to do a tailing stand, you can't. You, yeah. You have, and yeah, and I think institutional knowledge is so important with a thing like a tailings facility, and you'd lose that if you keep on uh, just bidding out the engineer, the, the design work, every single yeah. phase. Yeah. If you if you do that, then the the knowledge base has to stay on the mining side, and yeah. the guys at the I, mining mining side don't always stick in one job for very long. So I see, and you have that, you know, it's like. If you have an axe, two axe, you know, graph one of like project understanding on the y axis, if you can picture it, and then time mm -hmm. on the x axis, you've probably got an exponential curve going upwards in theory yeah. with project understanding. Yeah. yeah. But with as consultants change, these exponential curves, they dip and then yeah. they, they have to go up and then you've got knowledge gaps and yeah. what are some, and then that loop, especially when you take on a new project. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot, of, a lot of yeah, project understanding that gets lost. And yeah, you're, you're right. The line on the just, graph. Mm. Yeah, and it's not the just lost in graph. translation. It's which I'm finding a lot at the moment. We work on overseas projects. I'm reading broken translations, and that's no disrespect to our clients. Yeah, yeah. we're reading a report that's not written English as a native tongue, so you're, and it's been translated into English. I'm understanding it technically, and I'm having to understand it, or having to understand it technically, and then understand it English in English. You're going to have to. It's a completely different, not a completely. It's a it's a different skill set. Just reading it in native English. Right. Right. Yeah. Is that making sense? Very much so. Yeah. 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 So. yeah that the uh, our clients have it uh, on their side too, because they're constantly looking for the responsible tailings facility engineers. And they're they're getting harder and harder to find, and also also the the tailings lead at the mining companies. Yeah, 
you know, there's there's a lot of need for them, but there's not a lot of people available. It's it's a paradox, of course, since you know the COP twenty six, you know, they're saying they want to reduce all these emissions and of like carbon and the climate change, yet people still want their mobile phones, their cars with the lithium batteries or such like. Yeah, but they don't want the pollution, and they and I find that very straight. Well, I can understand that, it's not, but I find it kind of hypocritical of the modern society. We want that we want. The, we want the we want all the the metals to you know to grow, but we don't want the environmental costs. And they, no one wants to do this sort of subject as a you know university degree and then work in it. Yeah, yeah, that reminds me of a young lady who's kind of from your neighborhood. The guy, but her name's Lucy Crane. Yes, and she works for Cornish, Cornish, Cornish Lithium. I know Lucy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, she she gave a really cool TED talk, and it was something like, "I'm an environmentalist and I work in the mining industry," and people were calling her out for that, saying, "No, you're you can't be an environmentalist if you work in mining." So it was all about how we have to mine our way to a greener future. Yeah. I just thought it. I just thought it was really very interesting. Yeah, but like the environmental social governance coming in big time in that. That may be our driving force to uh, change and make it more inclusive, or make more people wanting to join it. Right. Right. Or if, if maybe you know, some countries that don't have professional trained engineers, maybe our jobs as consultants is to train them up yep. in the future, so they can get confident in their own national country. Yeah, we're the- we're uh, yeah for the. Lo- Probably the last twenty years, we've been shorthanded with tailings people. Yeah. So hopefully, the the newest generations are seeing the need. Now, to me, tailings is the most fascinating area to be in if you're a geotechnical engineer because it has every aspect of geotechnical engineering plus yeah. some. And and so if you if you chose to work only in foundations, then you'd have you might have a fabulous career. But you're not going to have all of the challenges that um, encapsulate geotechnical engineering. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I've got the hydrogeology, the geotechnics, the civils, costings, yeah. Yeah. the environmental issues. Yeah, and then you've got the, the risk so, management social. as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I said, I said to Richard at my interview, I think it was, I say, who'd want to deal with tables because there's so many things that could go wrong, or so many things to think about. But that's why yeah. I love it because. Because you could never get bored of Taylor. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. sounds boring. Oh, it's mind wrestling. Oh, it's so boring. <laughs> but don't think cool. they're immense structures and they and we still don't know the bottom of how, you know, or the science is evolving, you know, dry stacking. There's so much we could, you know, or so much like ways we could be more creative and um, yeah. The day we stop, the day we stop mining, the day we'll be out of a job, and I don't see that coming. As I said, no. No. <laughs> no. No. no, no. If anything, we're getting more and more so with Wareworth, tungsten. Right. We're going right. maybe drifting away from copper. Gold, maybe gold's not going down because gold's always going to be a thing and be a demand. But right. copper, for example, that may drop. Lithium may go up, but it's always going. 
Right. <laughs> but if we don't, if we then don't have operational mines, we'll be still working on closure projects. So I guess that's still going to excite me. Right. Because we yeah. never close the tables down. Oh, a closing down to me is never closed. It's going to be there to, to perpetuity. To yeah, unless it's remined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's got its own challenge with remining. I mean, it's you know the tailings of the past is going to be the goal, the ore of the future potentially. It is. Yeah, it very definitely is. Yeah, and you mentioned dry stacks is something that I've been working in for quite a while, and I saw somebody's comment on LinkedIn one time. And they said, well, if the world went completely with dry stacking, then all the tailings engineers would be out of a job, which is not correct at all. Because <laughs> as my friend uh, Ward Wilson likes to remind me, Aberfan was technically a dry stack. Yeah. And it you know, I, catastrophically flowed for, uh, yeah. I, I, was and, reading, and, I was reading about that over the weekend for something about human factors and yeah the, cas the cascade of events and that was quite you know but yeah and people said the same thing about when pace came out you know when gold has introduced it that's going to be the dry the end of slurry transportation feelings yeah and we we just there's going to be something next up above dry stacking but yeah we might think of a better way of underground disposal but or or something under the sea not, heaven forbid it we say under the sea or Deep marine. Yeah. There may be something that we could do or we'll put it on the moon. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, I just I'm not saying that's what I think, but I think you know we have to be innovative and come up with these new ideas and Yeah, but personally I think there's a really bright future for what I call blended tailings and waste rock. Which you mean co-mingling? Yeah, basically yeah. you fill the you fill the voids and the waste rock with tailings, yes. so, so that you've got particle to particle contact and low permeability. Yes. Yeah, right yeah. now it's kind of a theoretical thing. Yeah, uh, it's so, been it's, it's been trialed a little bit here and there, and some people are looking at it pretty seriously. Yeah, I saw a few papers on that, but if you, yeah, I thought that had sort of mixed sort of results at the moment. Very much so, very much so. Yeah, the the last uh, company that looked at it seriously was Goldcorp before they got acquired by Newmont, and they were doing some trials in Guatemala. Yeah, I mean, and I love they, Sorry. Yeah, and they they were saying that the existing equipment has to be supersized, like six times uh, bigger than it currently exists for it to be able to work, which yeah. isn't unachievable but it certainly is uh uh pushing the envelope anyway but you compare the cost of a sorry, something like a filter press or filter tailings to conventional tailings yeah. that always used to be the held of the obstacle when you did an alternative so that you know a cost analysis or and, and that and say you always uh dry stacking always came out lowest or the highest because because of the filter presses yeah conventionally but you know, filter press technology has come down drastically in the last couple of years. So, it is, it is, and there's a and, lot of really good research going into that as well. And I think, you know, people will, if you say people objected to dry stacking, but it, I think it may be not, you know, people objecting because it, it's not, you know, they want to, they can't apply it to their project maybe. And you, every project has to be looked upon on a case by case case. You can't just say, 
you're suitable for dry stack or your project's slowing, you have to look at it as a bespoke solution for the client. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Martin, we, we've talked about a lot of things today. Was there, uh, I know you're, you're a busy guy and I don't want to keep you all day, but was there anything else you wanted to chat about before we part ways? Oh, you're a great inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, where do you see the, you, you sort of touched upon, where do you see the future going? Well, I, I think we're going to be doing a lot more filtering, like like you were saying. The, the costs are coming down. It used to be that filtering got dismissed on the first day because people would just say, we can't afford it. Uh, but like you say, the, the equipment is getting faster so that it can put more tailings through in a same size plant. They're getting smarter. Um, so I, I think we're going to have a lot more filtered tailings, but filtered tailings isn't the solution for everything. I, yeah. I think we're going to have conventional tailings for a long time still. Yeah, I, th um, I think, yeah. I think there, pace there isn't, is yeah, I think, I think pace is getting old. Not old hat. I think that's got a lot of perhaps transportational transportational issues with it. That I think that will be its biggest hurdle to overcome. Yeah, I think I think for underground, it's a really good solution. But for surface disposal, I think it just has a real small niche. But it doesn't mean there isn't a place yeah. for it. I mean, I've seen places like Portugal that they've used. They call it's when you get in the grey area, you know, pick and tails to pay to place. Where is that yeah. boundary line? Because yeah. to me, they behave almost the same, but right, you know, because you've got to you've got slow in dry stack, it's two ends of the continuum, yeah, and then somewhere in the middle is the pace and the pick and tail, yeah. But Portugal, it seems to work okay. The project Bulgaria using paste, okay, that's I think 65% solids, but and then using it. To backfill part of the mine. As you say, if it's used in the right way, it's used in the right way. Yeah, and and I work at a site or two in Mexico where they use the term paste, and it's really probably not even high density tailings. Well, yeah. it's, it's 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 certainly thickened tailings. Um, but I, I think maybe it's just a word paste that's easy to translate back and forth in, in uh, Spanish and English. Yeah, I think that's, you know, when we're talking about, you know, when we're doing review work, that's the thing I find, you know, when you get, you have to almost break down the language and put from the very basics and just go back to more science and more engineering. Yeah. And talk, talk the basic principles, because the thing that unites us to the client is the engineering and the science. Yeah, we yeah. may speak a different language with our mouths, but the science and the, the facility is the same facility. We've got. We may come at it slightly different angles, and they want the best, the cost savings, and we want to do the best. But then we're both trying to do the best for we can. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Martin, I, I think uh, I think I better let you get back to work. I really enjoyed chatting with you and catching up with you and picking your brain and, and uh, seeing what you're up to and that kind of stuff. Okay. Anytime. Yeah. And uh, if I happen to find myself in London, I'll, I'll try to look you up. 
Okay, come and visit us. All right. Sounds All good. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Martin. I'll Thanks for your too. time. Bye. All right. Yeah, you too. Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.